How are you? Great, man. Haircut? Haircut. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, you haven't... Like, this is just sort of a normal day hair. Like, it's not It's not like you're going out. It's not like you're going to work. This, it's a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You haven't spent much time on it. So it's just kind of like, this is how I woke up today. Well, yeah. I spent a little bit of time on and it. And for that... I spent a little bit of time on it. I can't tell. Uh, but for, like, just got out of bed hair... No. I think it's it's sitting pretty nicely. I like it. Yeah, no, I've, I put in put in a curl cream. Okay. Um, I shaped it. I've dried it. I've washed it. Um, so I've actually put in quite a lot of effort. Well, I stand by what I said. Um, I think it looks fine. Yeah. Okay. What do you think of the mo? How do, do you feel like about the mo? Do we like the mo? Yeah, I like the mo. You've had a mo before. I've had a mo before. It's. I feel like the mo. Is was like going through a, a, a stage where it was like kind of ironic and the hipsters would would rock a mo, and now I think it's like acceptable to have a mo and for it just to be like a just a, a choice. Um, so mm. I, and I feel like it's it's the what it's the best like f- uh, facial hair shape that complements my my face. Um, you don't you can, think that a beard agree? offers the same. Support, I think same 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 facial support. I feel like the beard makes me look a bit fatter, so I oh. think the mo kind of brings out my my upper lip because it's all it's all like illusion, isn't it? The mo is definitely the most I have facial hair kind of move. You know, it, right. it's it's very much more like a visible thing. Whereas for me, a beard sort of just like, I, I don't yeah. really see it. It just sort of like fades away. I, I, you know, sure. It's just sort of background noise. Yeah, and I so understand. of those choices, the, this one seems like it suits you. Thanks. But it's also the only but, one that's like more of a noticeable style. You know? Yeah. Like it'd be, it is, I haven't it is. seen you with just long mutton chops, for instance. Yes. Like it is a, it is a, it is a bold, in some ways it's a bold, it's a statement of a, of a facial hair, you know, mm-hmm. accessory. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's funny cause like I had the beard, this is how I, this is my um, strategy behind the mo. I have the beard and then I just pull away the beard and leave the mo. So yeah. it, it's really just, the mo's always been there, but now you're just taking away the context of the beard. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all grooming, isn't it? The only feedback I'd give you is a little bit of maybe like a bottom trim, like a bottom level, a top lip, just sort of overhang there. Yeah. You got a little bit of sort of like a Waluigi thing going on where it's a little bit, do I? you know, angular. I don't know about that. Because you have to, if you open, your, if you open your mouth, see there, from that angle, it feels a yeah. little, it feels a little bit like I'm seeing peaks and troughs, you know? Yeah, well, I, I think feel like if you just took too... you took a, a a shaver just along the bottom, just like in a flat, just like one on one side, one on the other, mm. you know. Yeah, well, you know, you know, my my style icon is Daniel Plainview, so mm-hmm. that's what I'm going for. That's I'm going for the Daniel Plainview kind of unwashed bushman or slash hey, oil tycoon look. Gonna bring one up here, Daniel Plainview, just. For a side-by-side comparison. Let me know if you see it. Because he's got the best moustache in the game. 
I think you're you're on track. I think in a side by side comparison, you can see that mm. you're you're tucking a little bit in round the corners, a bit a little bit more downward motion there than than his is. His is a little bit more horizontal across across the thing. Is there's a lot more sort of sideways motion in his it, stash. It's more refined. It's more refined, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But I'll get there. I'll I'll push through and I'll you yeah. know I'll get to the plain view level level. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate the thought that you've you've put into the analysis of of my moustache here. That's okay. You know, sometimes sometimes I try and be supportive just to change it up a little bit. Yeah, just it's a nice it's a nice color on you. Are you are you well? What's going on? Tell me. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty well. I um I'm still Over COVID? fighting off No, I'm still fighting off this fucking cough. Um which is mm. lingering and and pretty annoying. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, like day-to-day, moment-to-moment, I'm feeling fine. Um, I'm, you know, back at the gym in a, in a um, regular fashion and, and certainly not feeling like I'm unwell, except for the fact that I just have a shortness of breath of times and uh, yeah. we'll get into a coughing fit. And it's just like I've coughed so much that I threw up. Like it'll just like oh keep. It's just very hard to shake once it gets going. So it's not fun. So I'm gonna head to the doctors. Yeah, and um, hope that you cough so much that you threw up. Yeah, like phlegm. No, like vomit. You coughed up phlegm. No, like vomit with phlegm. No, I don't understand why you keep saying phlegm. No one said phlegm. How do you cough so much that you vomit? Because it's like convulsing so much and like, I guess just straining like your body's in, in, in distress and it's just like, okay, whatever's happening, get it out. Jesus. That's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. I wish I didn't hear that. Well, I wish I didn't catch COVID, but we don't always get what we want. Yeah. But okay. Um, geez. That's really, that's really kind of affected me. The visual of that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No. Well, I I hope that you don't get it. Um. So, mm. beyond that, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, we're moving house in two weeks, so I've sort of been in the oh. the headache stage. Well, not the headache stage just yet, but like the preparatory stage of okay, let's book a van. Let's find out what our new power provider is going to be. Let's get our internet arranged. Let's try and find a washing machine. Uh, did I? Did I know that you had found a place or did you just neglect to tell me? I think it was actually on my notes, but I'd forgotten to perhaps mention it in our last episode because there was other stuff that we were mm-hmm. doing. Um, yeah. Well, maybe I did tell me mention about the it. Place. It was a while ago. But um, so I think about midway through June, um, our current landlord sent a message and he's a private landlord. So we deal with him directly, send a message saying, sorry, guys, unfortunately, uh, my circumstances have changed and I need to sell the house. So I'll need you out of the place in three weeks. Um, yeah, I remember that part. And so we w- pushed back and we said, no, nah, that's illegal. You need to give us three months. And after a bit of wrangling with the tenancy tribunal, he accepted that. So we had until September, but we needed to find a place and it's quite competitive out there. So we started looking and said, oh, if we get somewhere sooner, we will move out ahead of that September date. 
And mm. after applying for about five different places and not getting anywhere, we succeeded and found a place sort of on the similar side of town. Um, it's a bit more expensive. It's a bit bigger though, um, mm. though it doesn't have sort of a garden space. Um, okay. And uh, so, yeah, in two weeks now, we will be moving out of here relocating everything over there and um getting set up again for a new year Jeez, so that's well i'm glad to hear you found a place that's um it's annoying after you've just you know only lived in this place for a year or so yeah it was annoying it was uh annoying at the start when he was like three weeks get out and we'll had to then go through this process of being like, you can't do that. And then it was annoying to start looking for places and it's very competitive out there at the moment. So we've ended up in a place that we have to spend about a hundred bucks a week more on to have secured versus where we are today. Um, And then our current deal as well also included all our bills. So we didn't have to pay for internet or for power or anything. It was all a flat rent rate. And now we need to um, also add on those bills onto the top of the more expensive rent as well. So that plus all the hassle and the costs associated with moving means it's quite an expensive process, really, versus Mm. if we'd just been able to roll over in this place and continue as we are happily. Um, Yeah. But that's life, I suppose. That's life. Frank Sinatra. And I suppose the, the other good thing is the weekend that he wanted us out was the weekend that we got COVID. So Mm. if we had all been working towards that date and hadn't pushed back to get some more time and somehow been able to find a place or whatever, um, we would have then been partly packed or had a truck booked or all that kind of shit and then got sick and not been able to do it anyway. So in some ways, um, lucky. um, Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. Okay. Well, what was it? I was just going to say, have you had any weird dreams, but I'll just shut up. That's fine. Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. This is a podcast in which we talk about real things with a scientific basis that people actually care about. I bring this up for no particular reason. Uh, Sitting through the internet with me this week, my friend Michael. What's up? You can't do a peace sign on a podcast. It doesn't, it doesn't. The peace was for you. The babies was for them. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm Nick. Hi. Hey, Nick. Hi. Uh, The last episode that we did, I was... I was unsure about how it was going to turn out. And then I listened back to it. I was like, I, I can't remember. I, sometimes I can't tell what's been edited, which is a credit to your editing, I guess. But I, I like, I, I thought it flowed pretty well. It wasn't like boring. Like, I think, I think it could have been enjoyable. I, I was thinking that it wouldn't be enjoyable without people doing the game themselves. But I think it was like the, we painted it with our words um, enough that it could be enjoyable. So nice job. Well, thank you, and and thank you for bringing it up because actually, Dad today on a um a family call, um he had listened to that episode, and he had a bone to pick. Do you have any ideas or any um guesses as to which decision that we both made together he disagreed with? Oh, um, no, I don't. Was it me he not was... calling him his his best friend? Uh, that might have come up. Um, no, he his uh, big issue with us was that we were happy to smush the Mona Lisa. He was like, no, nah, oh. no, nah, can't smush the original Mona Lisa. Oh, boy. He's not oh, a Mona Lisa guy, is he? 
he 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 thinks it's you know like one of the great artworks of all time um you know you can't just throw it under the bus literally i guess that's like saying that um you two are the greatest band of all time. It's like you okay, haven't let me very let far. me defend let me defend. it's not his favorite painting. <laughs> I don't think that he would spend a second at it when he visits the Louvre. But he uh would respect it for the impact that it had on uh, culture and society and the the artists behind it. But what impact has it had? apart from people just talking about it. Has it really, like, changed anyone's life? I can't imagine that someone's looking at that and just incredibly moved by the Mona Lisa. I mean, it's an interesting question, right? Because it's fucking everywhere. Like, everyone knows the painting. But what does that mean? Like, does it have... Do people have a connection to it? Do people look at it? Like, it's sort of become the poster child, in a yeah, pun intended, (laughs) I suppose, for art itself right it has become the figure it has become the representation of art somehow somehow like how did that happen yes yes at a certain Uh, point it was commercialized yeah i mean it did yeah it'd be interesting to know if it had like if if it when it was originally painted i guess it was was it da vinci that did it yeah but it's like oh, at a certain Vinci. point, someone thought, "I'm going to put this on a T-shirt," you know, like like the, the, there was several hundred years where it was just a piece of canvas, and and a few people would go and visit mm-hmm. it. I don't know if it was popular in like 1910. Did was it popular then? But at a certain point in the modern yeah. world, it became the piece. And it was on yeah. everything. It was a postcard. It was a t-shirt. It was a hat. Like somehow it crossed yeah. over into this representation of everything. Yeah. But I bet if we like brought Da Vinci back from the dead and we'd be like, guess what? Mona Lisa, kick it off. And he'd be like, what? <laughs> that one? Really? <laughs> that one? Oh, I got really? the, I got the smell wrong. The Sistine Chapel. I was like, yeah, people, people like that one too. But not as much as the... <laughs> The weird lady that you painted. Yeah. <laughs> also, apparently it's really small. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's yeah, like an A4 piece of paper. Yeah. It's just weird. It's weird how things uh, get hype and, and it, it, is just, it is just hype. Like, it's like with Harry Potter and Twilight and stuff. Like, it's not that, I mean, maybe it's really speaking to people, but it, it, Twilight could have easily have been just like some book that just came and went, you know, like... It's the fandom. People like getting around something together and hearing about it and stuff. Like, it, I feel like a lot of it is arbitrary, like hype about things. Like, you can be, you can get lucky maybe with certain books or ideas, and it will just build momentum, and then it will just be like an exponential growth at that point. It's a lightning in a bottle thing, right? A time and a place. I do need to correct you. The Sistine Chapel was not Leonardo da Vinci. That was Michelangelo. Um, but uh, they're all the yeah, same. I'm... <laughs> uh, can I? I'll, I don't have no idea what we're talking about today. I come with nothing prepared at all okay. once again. Um, but I was just at the supermarket and I just saw the sweetest thing. Just made my heart sing, Nick. Please tell me. Made my fucking heart uh-huh. sing. There's this kid, he's probably like eight years old, um, and he's going up to the, he had an electric scooter actually which is a very weird detail. Um, 
And he's he's buying what, what? like a child size electric scooter. No, like a full grown electric scooter. A full adults. Like a, yeah. a do you have lime over there? Like a one of the pick 'em up off the streets electric scooters. It wasn't one of those. It was just a black one. It was like yeah. a, I personally own an electric scooter scooter. Well, I don't want to make cast aspersions, but I don't feel like this is the type of kid that came into possession <laughs> okay. of the scooter lawfully. He might have acquired this in other ways. I think he may have he may have borrowed it from a stranger. Um, sure. And he's he's up he's up at the the checkout guy, and he's buying what I would describe as an excessive amount of candy. And he's uh, he's he's doing the old taking coins out of his pocket and uh-huh. and placing them and they're you know silver coins and um uh-huh. i'm kind of overhearing this conversation because i'm in the self-checkout and he and the checkout guy goes you don't have enough and he's like get kind of not getting into an argument with him but he's like the kid's confused and then i, I leave the self-checkout and this kid's about getting ready to, to take off he's like well i'm out like i can't uh I don't yeah. have enough money. And then a guy, like a kind of cool looking hipstery guy, like around my age, he like steps in. And he <laughs> I goes, thought he was going to say about my style. Well, similar style, kind of both cool. Um, he uh, he comes over and he goes, I've got it. And he you know, swipes his card and just like gives the kid, a, like buys the kid the candy. And I was like, oh. that it almost made me cry. Like that's a, that's a, <laughs> such a cool move. And then I got yeah. immediately jealous, and I was like, "I wish I, I wish that was that should have been me. I should yeah. have, I should have I been." Wish, I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah, because it's like five bucks. Uh, it's not really a cost to you. You make this kid's day, even though I don't think he th- said thank you. He just took the candy and rolled on out of there on a yeah. <laughs> high speed scooter. But yeah. um, you know, you want to be that. You want to be the hero guy. You know, that's the that's the best kind of the low cost. Hero, it's kind of anonymous, but people see it, they acknowledge it. I mean, that's all. That's what I'm all about. That's what I'm striving for on a daily basis. And it was a missed opportunity as far as I was concerned. Yeah, that is a shame. Um, but I guess once you know the full story, maybe it'll it'll change your opinion a little bit. Um, so this kid has pulled this trick 15 times today. He's on an electric scooter. He hits up every shopping center in like a five kilometer radius he does the same thing oh 20 cents oh oh, i got 20 cents oh oh, 20 cents and then he just amasses fucking kilograms of it kilograms Mm. of it because everyone wants to be the cheap ass hero everyone wants to be the cheap ass hero but that's how he gets them and (laughs) i suppose the worst part is he's got diabetes so the reason he's not allowed these lollies is because it's not good for him but he doesn't listen. He's shortening his own lifespan. He's really jeopardizing all of his future opportunities out of this narcissistic drive for sugary sweets. But it's killing well, him. It's really ki- it's killing him. Well, I'll tell you what. Take in one look at this kid. I think diabetes is definitely on the menu. Um, <laughs> but, but but maybe maybe. He's not eating it for himself. Maybe he's maybe you're right, and then he's like got this whole operation going. He's given the puppy dog eyes to, you know, um, shoppers around him. But then he's he's hoarding all this candy if he's doing it five six times a day, and then mm. you know taking it back to his crib and cutting it, maybe, and yeah. then selling it to 
Selling it to other kids for a profit. Yeah. Rocks up at school. Hey, I got some of that sweet stuff you wanted. Little baggie under the table. Little bit of a, you know, lunch money swap. Yeah. Yeah, Making a nice and and tidy profit. Yeah. Maybe it's getting high in his own supply. That's why he's kind of porking out a little bit. Yeah. Gosh. Well, sad times. What an indictment of our current economy and health system and uh, the state of the future generations. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, you're a hero for not giving him anything. You should have Thanks. reported him to the cops. Yeah, next time I will. Next time I know better now. <laughs> <laughs> Triple zero. Um in terms of things we're talking about this week, I don't really have a huge deal lined up, but I do have one little bit of um uh COVID follow up, like Wuhan follow up. Do you have a moment to talk this? <laughs> do I have a moment? Yeah, I'll I'll clear my schedule for the next half an hour. <laughs> Alrighty. Um. So this is a follow up because we talked about on a on a former episode about the potential for the lab leak theory, the idea that the COVID virus came out of a lab. Oh yeah. Um. I don't know if you saw this, um, earlier this week, um, but there was a study released by Science, or, or sorry, I should say, in the publication Science, um, which is quite prestigious, um, which has definitively proven that it originated in the wet market at Wuhan, the seafood wholesale Fake news. Fake news already. I don't need to read it. Fake news. (laughs) Okay. Not liking this sort of antagonism. Um, I feel like I'm on the back foot, but let me, um, let me just read through a summary thread here. I can put the, um, the article in the chapter notes, but there's a, um, a summary here from one of the, uh, the authors of this study. So SARS-CoV-2 emerged into humans via the live animal trade at the Huanan seafood market in Wuhan. There were lots of, uh, debates about the origin, whether it was a lab leak, whether it was nature, a lot of it was, um, valid concerns some of it was conspiratorial speculation but uh, a team of collaborators uh, set out to actually look at the evidence and see what could be uh, uncovered or um, extracted from what we knew Uh, so there were a group of academic virologists evolutionary biologists with no financial or political agenda they were independent and they followed the evidence where it led Um, while the evidence base was incomplete and imperfect and often inaccessible there was still evidence, quite a lot of it. Um, So they set out to verify and analyze the evidence they could access and the results were clear. All the data points led back to the seafood market. Um, Five months ago, they released their findings as preprints. They were convinced of it, but then they had to go through the rigors of peer review. They did it, they went through peer review. They had multiple rounds of highly critical review and the papers were improved and led to this conclusion. Um, So they, say they provide conclusive evidence that SARS-CoV-2 emerged via at least two zoonotic spillovers from animals sold at Huanan. So two potential incidences. Um, yes, the data is incomplete and imperfect, but it's overwhelmingly showing that pan- the pandemic began there, not at the um, Wuhan Virology Lab or any other lab. Um, there remains no evidence for a lab leak besides the idea that it started in Wuhan. Um, I won't go into all of the specific scientific details because A, some of it is above me and uh, B, there's a lot of it. Um, But there were, they basically um, looked at a map. Is it just genetic mapping? Is that what it is? It's basically, they mapped the earliest recorded cases 
and look at the geographically to see where they clustered and, and it was all connected to or in the vicinity of the Huanan market, not the lab, which is in a different geographic space. Um, they also then, um, like that's regardless of whether those cases were known to have visited the market or not, like whether there was a link there. Um, so the, uh, the pattern of the cases, um, whether they were linked to the market or not, um, was consistent with chains of transmission flowing outward from a central point, like an earthquake spread, you know, like radiating out from an epicenter. All of the cases and the yep. dates and things locate around this Huanan market original place. Um, the pattern becomes more diffuse as the virus spreads around Wuhan. This is consistent with, with how you'd expect it to play out. Um, and then they sort of map it into distances and, and various radii and linked cases. Um, and basically the market is the bullseye of this um, giant spreading map of infection. There's the other thing that they looked at, which was about the multiple animal species that were known to be susceptible to SARS-CoV-2 that were being sold at Huanan in November and December 2019, which included raccoon dogs, red foxes, others that are susceptible like badgers, hares, hedgehogs, and muntjacks. Um, and have been able to track those things. They found environmental samples associated with the live animal sales in those cages. And they looked at positive samples and it's all clustered around the live animal area. Yeah, rather than go too much into the rest of the, um, the data here, they um, have basically reached a very um, evidence-based, uh, peer-reviewed uh, journal published um, conclusion that it was a wet market um, origin of a virus jumping from species to species that uh, caused this pandemic and not a lab leak. Um, there's obviously limitations from the, the lack of data um, that was provided by um, the Chinese government among other places, uh, but there is still enough to be very confident in that hypothesis. So I think it was just worth touching back or circling back around to this after a year or two, given we did talk about it previously. Yeah, I feel like there's been a few of these studies that have definitively said the viruses um, uh, come from the wet market. I think the the argument see, from the other side just seems to be, but the lab's right there. And exactly. um, yeah. it just seems like an extraordinary coincidence, but like you can't mm. base a theory on coincidence. Uh, there's also like a and, and to be fair as well. As well. Sorry, I feel like we've got quite a lag at the moment. I'm not quite sure why. Um, uh, to be fair, I think it is a valid question to ask at the outset. Did this, like, where did this come from? And, and did it come from a lab? I think that is a valid um, question to explore. But you also then have to be prepared when the evidence comes back to say, well, no, it, we haven't found any evidence that that was the case. Yeah, I think it wasn't a valid well, it wasn't considered a valid question when Trump was in power, though. Like, it was interesting how this question got politicized so quickly. But I agree, like, we should obviously want to know how this virus started so that we can prevent it in the future. But, like, what do you think is better for the Chinese government? Do you think it's better that it comes from a wet market? Like, is that just like, oh, that's the, you know, hygiene practices or, you know, animal practices that they're... Of the, of the civilians rather than like a, a lab, which I assume is government run, which seems to have more connection to the government and ha should have more procedures in place to prevent it escaping. I think it's definitely a better perception for the government 
that it came from a market than it came rather than a lab. I think that that's, mm. that's could be chalked up to, you know, random chance or dumb luck. Um, you know, putting aside the cultural questions of like selling those animals in that in that context anyway, versus something like a lab where it's a human failure, you know, like it's a, a systems failure or a procedural failure or a governmental failure to allow something like that to come about. So, yeah, you are right that it, this is the better outcome for China. Yeah, it doesn't mean that, that it didn't happen though. No. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting to touch back on, given the um, the the amount of time we had spent on it previously. Um, I know we talked yeah. briefly about my um, uh, COVID stuff at the start, but are you um, still going about your life is uh, as, as if it's fairly normal, historically normal? Oh, honestly, couldn't give a shit at this point. Um, I take no precautions whatsoever i haven't haven't worn a mask since uh 2008 um so oh, wow. i i just i i feel like at this point like my boss got it this week i was in the office with him just him and i for like a you know a number of days i just feel like i am invincible quite frankly <laughs> oh, good i feel like okay, right. i cannot be touched the virus doesn't want me in some ways, I want it more than it wants me, which is kind of weird. Like, I feel okay, like the Just noting one. down the time codes of this. Okay, one hour 29. Okay, great. Just popping a note here for future reference. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, from from what everyone has said, like, it's like people, some people are saying, like, it's terrible. Some people are saying it's mild. Like, I just, I'm so bored of talking about COVID and I thought we were done. And I just, you know, if, if me getting it, the only time I really worry about it is when I'm going away and I am going away in a couple of weeks. So then I'll be like, no, then I'll be terrified. But um, I just feel like, you know, I, I can't be, I can't be taken down, Nick. Um, is, are you, will you be terrified when traveling because you don't want to miss out on the trip or as in you don't want to be yeah. sick while you're over there? I don't care about getting sick. I just don't. I just want to. I just want to do the traveling that I have paid for and booked. That's all I care about. I don't care about infecting others. I don't care about <laughs> getting sick. Um, you know, if I do start to develop a cough before my flight, I won't be taking a test. Um, I'll just really? be jumping on that plane. Yeah, and I'll just be. Um, I'll. I I will just. I'll just not prove that I have it to myself. I'll just, you know, I'll just go about my my business, you know. That's so selfish, What's though. It? If you had actual symptoms the day before, you are not going to test. Yeah. Michael. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You weren't joking. You can't just say I'm joking after saying something deadly serious. Yeah, I was I was doing a character. I, you know, I was playing like you know, the selfish guy. So trying that hat on for a change. No, I would obviously <laughs> take a test if I got COVID. I wouldn't be able to hide it. I probably would be able to hide it actually with my immune system. But <laughs> I mean, I would, I would, I would retreat from. So I'll retreat from uh, social gatherings for the for the week leading up. Yeah, that's what I did. But yes, just well. to clarify, I was joking. Okay. 
Why are you smiling? Yeah. Why are you shaking your head? No, what does that mean? You're pointing <laughs> at them and saying like idiots. Okay, that's confusing. How did you communicate the idea the listener is an idiot just by gestures without saying anything? <laughs> oh, they are stupid for listening to this bullshit. <laughs> okay, gosh, we've lost our only listeners. Okay, you don't yeah. want to talk about COVID. What what else are we going to talk about? What are we no, no, about? no. I, I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean necessarily that. I wasn't saying that. I'm sick of talking about COVID. I'm just sick. I just thought it was. I thought it was going to be a, like a done thing, and in many yeah. ways it is. I guess, but it, it's just like it's 2020. Well, it's certainly done in the sense that governments have stopped trying to prevent people getting it. Well, in Victoria, they the chief medical officer advised that they they implement mark mask mandates again in certain situations, but there is a a little election coming up, and they just completely ignored the advice. And they were like, "We think this is the Labor government in Victoria." They think they said, "We think people can make their own decisions about it," which is a very <laughs> different tune yeah. uh, than what they were singing in uh, last year. Yeah. But it would be a political suicide to to implement a mask mandate at this point. Yeah, I understand the um, the tiredness, particularly the Victorians have for that kind of um, uh, rigorous preventative measure stuff. But um, it's just a shame that the longer that you don't take measures, the more people that catch mm. it the more variants that brew and the more likelihood that it's not going away and the worse that the next one's going to be. So it's just a shame. But we're not going to be able this... to eradicate it. But And isn't it true that the virus will, when it be, as it becomes more, um, proliferates throughout society, like communities or cities or whatever, that it will mutate to become weaker? I Absolutely heard that not true. Is that true? Absolutely not true. Okay. There's every chance the next version will be much deadlier. There's no good. Well, There's no connection. Joe Rogan between. wrong then? Often frequently and probably not as much as I should. <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't Rogue Daddy, but it was it was another side. <laughs> Rogue Daddy. <laughs> yes. Um look, yeah. the um the scary thing I think about also letting it run rip is that the the reinfection numbers are worrying because every time you get it the, the chance of you getting more serious complications increases um, linearly so if you get it twice you have twice as much chance as you know getting myocarditis or some other um, long-term lifelong potentially health um, consequence as a result of it and so yeah uh, even if you've had it you don't want to get it again. It doesn't necessarily mean that you will have the same symptoms as last time or, or get through it like you did. Yeah. Well, eat your veggies. Yeah. My I hope you don't get, some, get it before get you travel. Sunlight. Thanks. I feel like you do hope I get it just because of everything I don't know. I, 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 I mean, how could you think that I, after all of that and all of that I said last time when I was writing the... Um, Worst of it about still wearing an N95 mask and all the thing. How can you think that I would want anyone to get it? Because, <laughs> Nick, I've known you for 15 years and I know that you're a vindictive uh-huh. kind of a prick. No offense. Um, and I, I've, I've seen I've seen you do this before. You've 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 wished you've wished ill on people. You've wished ill on me. 
<laughs> just because I spit just on because people of petty in the street that I've said. Yeah, you've spat on me in the street, but to be fair, I asked for it. Yeah, would it make me happy for you to get it and to feel really sick? Absolutely. Would I yeah, feel morally superior? Um, of course. Yeah. Would it be sort of sexually arousing? Absolutely. Like, would I yeah, gratify else. myself with that knowledge? 100%. Of course. Um, do I hope that you, you like, it? have long-term complications for it? Of Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. You've got it coming. Yeah. Um, do I think that it would potentially be a deadly threat to you, given your prior history of smoking? Probably. Yeah, absolutely. No. Uh, got a lot of um, ongoing medical now. issues. Um, do I want it to happen? Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say Borderline. that. Borderline. Yeah. How funny is that, like, device that people use when they just ask themselves questions and then answer them? Like, who invented that? And they they, they, they do. You were just doing it for a joke just then going on for fucking forever. But, like, people do that. Isn't that just so weird? I find it so weird when they do the it's question and answer thing interesting, like, themselves. linguistic. Yeah. Where did that come from? I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's for impact. Don't you think? It's like, it's like, it's like make a, more impact. Yeah. It's an, it's a persuasive argument yes. because it stops the listener from having to answer the question or from thinking of a different answer to the question because it, it puts the answer that the speaker wants into their mind already. Yes. Do you know, just while we're on um, linguistic nonsense, um, I really, I had this down as a myth, but I hate it when people shorten idioms and they let you, because they're so frequently said, they let you fill out the rest of it in their head. So like, you know, when instead of as per usual, people go as per. Yeah. It's well, the grass gross. is always. You know what the grass is, don't you? <laughs> Well, that's the grass for you. Yeah, I got I got another one on on this on this language stuff. Um, yeah, if you if you're ready for it, when people say um, I was gonna say, and then they say the thing that they were gonna say, but they're saying it, or they say, "Oh, I was hoping to reach out." You're doing it. You're doing it right now. Do you think that most of the instances where that phrase is used is not? where they've remembered it later. Cause when I say, Oh, I was going to say, I'm often, it's, it's a thing that like the conversations drifted off in a different direction sure. or I've lost the thought. And it's like, Oh, I was going to say, how's your mum doing? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you think people are using it when the idea is first coming to mind to kind of bring back the tangent? Maybe they're doing that. I feel like I've heard it in, they, they're just saying it because it's trying to soften it's trying to like um, soften the the aggressiveness of it. Instead of just saying the thing, they say, "I was going to say." It's kind of polite in a way, right? It's it's like a it's almost a little bit of a segue to like smooth out yeah. a conversational bump in the road. Yeah, I think so. It just fucking irks me. Mm. I hate it. And you know when people say "should of" instead of "should have," I'm like, "You're that dumb." <laughs> in my head, I go, "You're dumb." I, uh -huh. I it's like a Un the the punishment does not fit the crime. I understand that, but in my head, I won't say anything usually. But and someone says "should of," when they say it with words. I mean, if you say it with um, 
text if you type it i mean that's that's still terrible but if you say should of i i you're down a peg in my in my in my brain <laughs> i do know what you mean sometimes you do make those judgments reading text like for me a your 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 like apostrophe fuck up oh yeah if i read an email from oh, yeah. that you've gone down a peg in my brain yeah now do you appreciate this when someone texts you like just say it's just like an iMessage and someone texts you and they've used the wrong they've like done a your your but then they they've done it incorrectly but then they follow up with like an asterisk like you don't really I'll allow care. that I'll 100% allow you'll allow it but it's I'll just allow for, because... it's just for that person like it's just that person going hey I'm not dumb yes but it's also because sometimes I feel like I'm battling autocorrect and it refuses to fucking sure. just do the thing easily and, and you fix it and then you send it. It's like unfixed itself. So I've, I feel yeah. I, I've been that person who's who's sent the um, asterisk your like follow up. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's absolutely like, a, oh, I know I did that wrong, but I didn't mean to or I, I caught it. You know, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. I mean, I've done it. I've done it just because I am an idiot and not autocorrect and just let it go mm. because I thought maybe this is just self-indulgent at this point. It depends who it is as well. Like You if mean it sending was, a follow-up is self-indulgent? Yeah, I feel like it's self-indulgent because at the end of the day, you're still communicating the thing that you need. Like everyone knows what you mean, but you don't want the other person to think that you're a dummy. So this is you going, hey, I'm not, I'm not a dummy. Mm. so it's just it's just for you yeah but sometimes like if you're i mean if it's friend to friend or whatever like who cares it doesn't really matter if it's like to a boss or in a like work email or a client or something i feel like that has like potential um consequences right like the perception yeah of, of like to a stranger of how you've presented yourself or whatever could color the way that they see you or how willing they are to you know, interact with you or whatever, like maybe a yeah. small amount, but probably an amount. Yeah, I agree. If it's a professional setting for sure. And if you're trying to like court someone. If I, like I, I got I a, a PR email or, or like a, an agent or, you know, someone for a, a magazine coming out and saying, Hey, uh, uh, we love your show. We want to do an interview with you. And the, your is all fucked up and, and the, the email is, like all over the place grammatically my likelihood of interacting with that person and treating it as like a serious thing is much lower than if it was like sure. better spelled yeah anyway. it's funny in my in my job i'm often emailing or getting emails from reporters or journalists and they seem to have the worst uh, punctuation of anyone because yeah. they're often just like it's like rapid firing from they're usually doing it from from their phone and because yeah. they just need answers like really quickly they're just going yeah. bang 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 like it's just like some of it's like horrible and these you know some of these people are like renowned reporters i'm like this is yeah this is how you work yeah this makes me think less of you <laughs> yeah um speaking of uh smoking we we, we brief we sort of briefly you said the word smoking. But you, I said, you, you just I said threw the it in smoking. there. Yeah. Um, we talked maybe a year ago about the idea that New Zealand was going to ban cigarettes. Did you? Do you remember yeah. that? Um, there yeah, has been now progress on that front. Um, 
And I just thought I would, again, just circle back. It's a bit of a, like a follow-up episode, perhaps. Uh, but I wanted to circle back and just talk about some of the um, calculations that have been done about the potential health benefits from this. Um, yeah. So th- this act has been read um, in Parliament and it's taking a step forward. Um, the bill provides for three strategies um, to basically aim at smoking prevalence dropping below 5% of the adult population within years, um, not decades. Um, so the strategies are drastically reducing nicotine content in tobacco, so it's no longer addictive. Um, they call that denicotinization or very low nicotine cigarettes, VLNC. Um, a 90% to 95% reduction in the number of shops that can sell tobacco and making it illegal to sell tobacco to people born in 2009 or later, um, creating the smoke-free generation. Um, If this is implemented effectively, it's anticipated to have a profound impact on smoking. Um, It's also directly, like one of the big motivating factors for it arising in New Zealand is reducing the Maori health inequity. Um, So the indigenous people here have um, a lot of uh, lesser um, health um, standards in terms of generalized health, but also like um, life expectancy, that kind of thing. Um, And a lot of that is connected to smoking and those associated things. So this step would actually bring a lot of equity across um, those various demographics. And and a lot of the the backing behind it has come from Maori communities and that sort of thing. but anyway, just, just to touch on a couple of the numbers here, um, they're talking about large reductions in mortality rates. Um, so uh, basically in every part of um, previous research, there's never been a single health intervention with the potential to reduce health inequities this much. A tobacco endgame is so powerful at reducing these health health inequities because smoking is so bad for health and smoking rates are particularly high in these cultures and thus they have higher smoking-related disease rates. Um, So the overall gains, the modelling suggests that over the remaining lifespan of New Zealand population alive in 2020, a tobacco endgame strategy results in an extra 600,000 health-adjusted life years lived, i.e., the impact of the interventions on life expectancy adjusted for quality of life. So to put this in perspective, this this amount of health gain accruing only to those people quitting smoking earlier or not taking it up, which is a minority of the population, is equivalent to the health gains that would result from a policy that taxed sugar, fat and salts in all foods and removed the GST on healthy food. So it would save $1.3 billion of health system costs over the next 20 years, which can be then put into other things like mental health or dementia care or whatever. Um, And while the government loses tax revenue from the reduced tobacco sales, the overall health of the population increases, meaning people live longer and work for longer. And so there's an income gain to the population of $1.4 billion and thus more tax revenue that comes back from income and from people working and living longer. Um, so it's wild that they think of it like that, like that long, that long term, like it's so, it's so interesting that like governments think of like, yes, you know, everyone's a person and everyone has rights, but at the end of the day, like if, if you're a government, you are seeing how like, uh, certain measures that you implement have ripple effects to like ants. Like if you dropped a, I don't know, a, a Coke can in a, to an ant 
colony. I don't know why I thought of that. <laughs> Sorry, why is but your you, analogy for a the- ripple effect? Dropping Coke cans on ants rather than a pebble into water, like how ripples are formed. <laughs> because because my analogy, in my analogy, you wanted to see the, how the ants react to it and what they do and they go okay. around it or whatever. Okay, sure. Um, and, like, it's so interesting that they they are predicting, I guess it's a prediction based on data, course, I yeah. assume, that, like, if yeah. they implement this strategy, it will... the the health benefits will eventually mean that people live and work longer and then that will generate more income. That's like, it's so crazy. Like we're all ants. We are all ants. Yeah. But what do you think about that number? 600,000 life years, you know, return to the population, like 600,000 years of life just to this um, population of people who either stop smoking sooner or don't ever pick it up. Like that's an incredible amount of, life I, it's strange to, to think of it in, in such a sort of numerical form but like it's almost it's almost a, it's almost like nonsensical though because no one stacks up years like it's more it makes more sense the framing of of just like per, the average per person sure I, I guess the variability of that makes it a less um, it, it makes it seem less substantial in action so I understand why they would why they would sum it up to try and give an estimation of the impact versus you know the average maori person might live two years longer you know or eight months longer that doesn't sound quite the same you know yeah sure no that, that's cool there's going to be a lot of more kids vaping yeah well it, it's going to be very interesting to see if this even passes like and so it's they not- should because vaping is dope <laughs> yeah, you're still vaping. Kitties. You're vaping as we speak. Yeah, baby. Have do you have many vapors in New Zealand? Yeah, they're, they're you around. see it. Yeah. Okay. There's a weird thing here where they're actually they're they're legal to sell, but they're not legal to use. So you can and I've heard uh, anecdotally people getting yeah you can you can buy them at tobacco shops, the disposable ones, these bad boys. You can buy them at tobacco shops. They can legally sell them to people over 18, but you can't use them unless you have a nicotine prescription. And apparently some people that are friends of friends have gotten pulled over by the cops. For So vaping. could you use a vape that only had like the maple syrup flavor, but like no nicotine? You can, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how does a police officer know that it's nicotine? Is it based on smell? No, no, no. It's, it's. I think I get. I'm guessing that it's based on like you. C- you can know the design. Like this is. Oh, so a like specific the, brand will be a specific nicotine one, and they can yeah. spot that and go. Let's see if they have the license. Yeah, and by the way, everyone, especially where I live, everyone is smoking the same kind of brand because there's like two brands, and right. they've all got nicotine in them. But yeah, it's what a weird little loophole thing. It's so like stupid, isn't it? Well, it's one of those things where the law is always slower than the progress of technology in society. So yeah. the idea that this little electronic device would come under the market was not foreseen when they first drafted smoking laws, right? Yeah. Yeah. How much are you smoking these days? Would you be a nicotine addicted? Well, certainly more than I was when I was smoking cigarettes, because I usually smoke socially, and now I, I vape pretty regularly. Um, so I would say I'm more addicted to nicotine now. 
but way healthier. Do you think if you did like a dry July and you put aside the vape for the month of August, would you make it? Um, it would be tough. I've I've been talking. Uh, me and Lauren uh, have been like kind of toying with the idea of um, of kind of you not going cold turkey, but placing the vape in certain situations. So, for example, just leaving it at home um, when you you go out or, you know, or just leaving it in your car, something mm-hmm. like that. So why but are you I think having it would those conversations? Bit... Sorry? Why were you, what's prompted those conversations about um, should we try and decrease the spaces in which we're vaping? Well, I think it's just like you don't want to be a, don't have you don't want to have a dependence on anything. That's just not a good position to be in. Um, so I think um, trying to curb that is is a good thing. Like you don't want to be sure. addicted to anything, even if it's not necessarily that bad or that financially. Um, it's not that it's not a financial burden, but you yeah. just don't want the dependence. I think. Yeah, that's fair. But you've you've never been addicted to anything in your life. Or um, have you? Addicted to cock. Nothing that comes to mind. My- <laughs> 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 uh, aren't we all? Um, yeah, nothing comes to mind. I mean, weirdly, I have a very regimented. Um, personality like i'm good at sticking to rhythm so if i set the rhythm that i go to the gym on monday wednesday friday i'll go to the gym on monday wednesday friday if i set the rhythm that i meditate once a day i'll meditate for 1700 days in a row you know i'll um Mm. i'm good at keeping that rhythm and weirdly that's almost anti-addictive in some ways because even though i do the thing on a rhythm i will never do the thing not on the rhythm so, like, if, right. if it was the thing where, like, for a while there, the closest thing I have to an addiction, I'd say, is probably coffee. Um, but for sure. a while when I was working um, in the office, I would set a rhythm of I'd buy a coffee on a Monday, a Tuesday, and a Thursday. Um, just because I didn't want to be spending all that money on takeaway coffees and also because I yeah. didn't want to f- um, feel like I couldn't work or couldn't be awake in the morning without a big boost of caffeine. And yeah. I was very good at sticking to that um, that rhythm, even though I would love a coffee on a Wednesday. Um, yeah. I would be very good typically at, at never having a coffee then because I, my brain would say, well, it's a Wednesday, you can't have a coffee today. And so I, right. I wouldn't. So it, it's kind of like a preventative measure, even though it can be so regular, sure. if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Like, it's a self-control thing, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've got you've got like a, it's almost an external system in place for yourself. Yeah. Well, maybe it's internal. It's something. Well, it's sort of it's sort of both. I, I get what you mean by it. Like it's I don't get to control what day of the week it is. So in some ways, it feels external, where it's like, well, I'm yeah. not allowed to have that, even though it's it's self imposed. Yeah, it's funny that like the older you get, the more you value routine like routine to me now these days is the most important thing and it's something that i love and it's it's also tied in with like self-care and and all this stuff like as as soon as i turned it's probably 
I'm probably like a year behind everyone. I like to think of myself as a year behind in terms of development. Um, but I think like <laughs> it just helps me process things. But I like think you like were this is like at school. Yes, but like also emotionally and you know all that other stuff. Um, as soon as I turned like 31, I, I reckon like I I just really would not I don't want to stray from my routine and yeah you know, I I like you know I like things how I like them because they help me uh you know be healthier and be more focused not that it's helping the focus that much but yeah I've got a lot of ground to cover well yeah but also yeah. like happier as a result no doubt well that's the thing but in my, in my 20s uh, I know you and I are very different in this regard but in my 20s I would just like I just wouldn't give a shit about my health at all or my sleep and it's so wild to me to even think that now to even like think that i did that without any without any care whatsoever i would just like i like you know, do an all-nighter I'd, and then turn up at work on yeah. a sunday and just like push on for another six yeah regularly regularly would yeah. do that and now now i'm in bed by 10 30 on friday and I'm up at seven thirty, and I'm like, well, I've got had nine hours sleep. Now I can, you yeah. know, go to the gym and go to the market and and do all this stuff. And now, now being like refreshed when I wake up on the weekend is as uh, like exciting to me as uh, the idea of partying was in my twenties. Like it's the new yeah. like party, like just being yeah. healthy and and clear minded on the weekends and having energy to do stuff. It reminds me of uh, that late season 30 Rock plot point with Jenna and Will Hader's character, um, whose name I can't remember, but who was like that stalker fan of Jenna. Um, and they started dating and they they've stumble on they've they've done every kink they've tried everything and then they stumble onto this thing that's called normcore and it's going to bed early <laughs> and it's shopping at ikea and and like buying new laundry hampers and this kind of thing and they're so convinced that it's like like dirty and like so perverted yeah. and let's let's go to bed yeah. at 10 and and then yeah. at, by the end they realize oh they're just that's just a, how normal people <laughs> live yeah i know <laughs> that's exactly i, I do right. like I do like that you're like, oh, I love getting up at 7.30 on a Saturday because then I can go I to know. the market. And it's like... I know. <laughs> imagine imagine playing that clip to yourself eight years ago when we started this podcast I and know. you were fucking 24, 25. I know. It's, it's so... I mean, I feel like a lot of things have changed. I'm, I'm reflecting a lot on being almost in my mid-30s now, which is... It just creeps up on you so quickly but there's a lot of things that my my values i can feel my values changing at this point in my life i'm you know all of a sudden you know really thinking about money and you know thinking about um you know should i invest money in things should i be saving up to buy a house should i should i do all these things these are things that i never even considered you know for for a second um a couple of years ago like i should have yeah i should have yeah. i should have um <laughs> but i just i just didn't um and it's not that i like regret not not prizing those things now because you what are you going to do you can't you can't um you can't 
make things you can't change you can't go back in time and and it wouldn't have been different it wouldn't have been different but um and i guess on some level you should just be grateful that you you do kind of you do have that priority change or that priority shift in your values uh, at any at any point and and still you know in our early 30s i guess depending on how you're (laughs) framing your story um yeah do you feel feel so much of that is also shifting uh let let me just touch on my thought for you, which was so sure. much of that is is external as well, because you can only really start thinking about money once you have money, and you often don't really have money until you've got like a steady job and and like a yeah. a certain amount of a safety net there. And for a lot of people, your twenties yeah. aren't those kind of jobs. So I don't think you're necessarily no. like ten years behind everyone else. There are always those occasional people who are like 24 and they they did a three-year course at uni and then they're in a professional environment at age 21 and then by 25 they've bought their house or whatever but like i think that's abnormal um yeah in terms of uh actually off off pod i won't keep this in but like what is your Mm. savings at like if do you care talking finances like how much money do you have sitting around if you don't want to talk, that's fine. I have I have some savings. I have a reasonable amount of savings. Um, I could probably go overseas for a while. Yeah. It might have been on the back of a conversation that I had with you, but I I now meticulously basically budget, um, and I have a I have built my own like spreadsheet budget, and I know. Oh, wow. exactly how much money I need to spend and exactly how much money I have coming in and exactly where the bills are and upcoming payments are going. Um, so I I am so much better with it now, but I do feel like I have the, te- the tendency and the urge to um, maybe live beyond my means um, when I shouldn't. But mm. it's been it's just been better lately. Um and I, it's just like come with a bit of mature, financial maturity. That's very diligent. Do you find that exhausting to manage? Okay, I've got this payment coming in, and but this payment I want to spend now. Like, is it a burden to to be that like attentive, or do you find it like re- relaxing or like like help, helpful to be so aware? No, I find it like a ga- It's like a it's like a game. Like I'm like very into it. I don't find it exhausting okay, cool. at all. And yeah. like I. I want it's like, it is like a game. That's when I when I started to even build savings. It was when I started to treat it like a game. When when I could go, okay, if I can save this much at the end of the week or the end of the pay cycle, and then I'll have this much more in my savings. Like that will be the even though it should in, inherently be the win itself. Like making it into a, a, a game, setting the seemed goal, to be helpful for the goal. my was it was even more incentive than even just having the money yeah well that's great but yeah um in terms of my changing ethics or or brain processes or whatever which was your your question prior to that um for me i am thinking more about those kind of big picture questions of like buy a house or like what you know what's what's the big financial goal that you're saving for or that you're working towards but that it it is something that i had not been thinking about for a long time because Mm. for a long time the psychological reassurance of having 
moved to New Zealand was I'm not going to be in New Zealand forever. This is a thing that I can leave at any time. Um, you know, if this job doesn't work out, if this career doesn't work out, I'll just go back to Australia. And so like that was a, a sort of safety blanket to, to be like, this, this doesn't matter. Like it's okay. If you fail, it's okay. If it doesn't work out, you can go back to Oz. Um, and associated with that was the idea that, well, you don't need to really put down roots here then. And, and, you know, for, right. um, you know, like I, I dated on and off, but didn't really like get into any long-term relationships. I, I didn't look to buy a house or get into the property market. Cause what's the point, you know, I'm not going to be in New Zealand forever. Now it's at the point where I've been in relationship with KC for two and a half years and I've been in New Zealand for coming up on eight years, seven and a half years. Um, wow. So, which is crazy. Um, so at this point, like he's also in his thirties and he's, you know, working at a professional level job for a goal to buy a house and so when you're in that position and you're in a um, long-term relationship, it in, invariably becomes that. Like, what are we looking yeah. to in the future? Yeah. So now it is a situation where I'm like, okay, well, let's go look at some houses then. Let's see what the market's like. What do we, you know, need in terms of a deposit? What do we need in terms of, you know, bank guarantees and that sort of thing? So yeah, from that um, place where having the partner who was interested in it, I have now... Um, being being dragged into that mindset as well. Right. So you would potentially be looking to buy a house together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's but, a funny I mean, one. Currently, the market's a fucking shit show. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's not an immediate proposition. Yeah, I feel like um, there's like I said, I've never really thought about the buying a house thing even though I should have, but you're also kind of getting up to this kind of, it seems like a kind of a crunch timey um, part in your life where you might, I don't feel like I am ready to buy a house, but I also still have these, I still have the same kind of dreams and ideas of the future for myself that I had in my twenties, which is I still want to, you know, go traveling and, you know, maybe live overseas and it feels like those those ideas and those dreams have kind of remained, but your age is increasing, and it feels like they become less attainable. So you almost have to. It almost feels like you have to make a decision about that. You know, pretty pretty soon, at least in the sense of, do I want to invest in buying a house at the and not go traveling and not have those experiences that I maybe thought I was going to have or assumed I was going to have, or mm. do I go traveling and do I go overseas and basically uh, use the money that could have gone towards uh, a, 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 an investment in a house? It's, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the other questions. thing as well, which is it influenced that, um, that train of thought for us is is connected to the living situation it's like okay well our fucking landlord decided to up and sell the house and tried to turf us out and you know you're living in someone's place and you're paying rent to someone else for which is just throwing money away um and you don't get to paint the place you you don't get to make any changes you don't get to plant things or you know do whatever you want to do 
And at a certain point after you've been renting for so long, there's a, a degree of tedium that can set in with that. So yeah. I think that motivates a bit of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting old, man. We're getting old, that's we for are. sure. Mm. If you're also getting old, well, then uh, you've got less time than ever to get through our entire back catalogue. So don't delay. Jump on that feed, scroll back down and listen to an episode you haven't listened to before. What are you doing? Time is ticking. Um, if you want to follow us in other places, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can listen to us uh, on SoundCloud, our jingles and Spotify, our songs. And um, you can send questions and comments to deepfort at gmail.com. Um, we would love to hear from you. Maybe we should start an OnlyFans, make a little cashola. What do you think? <laughs> we mean start an OnlyFans. How much money would it take for you to show your butthole on OnlyFans? Not you, no face, no face, uh-huh. but just your butthole. Yep. How Do much it. would it? How much would it take? Do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give them a little bit up front. Just give them a taste, yep. and then the real money comes when you reel them in for for the later stuff. I'd probably do it for four hundred bucks. You would not show your butt for less than $400. I think $400 is a reasonable price you would, for if my someone butt. Said, If someone said, plonked $200 on the on the counter, two crisp green $100 bills, 200 bucks, mate, show us your butthole. You would absolutely, you would pick up, you would have pocketed that cash. Well, if it's going to live on the internet forever, I would think, I would think $400. Also, also, know, know your worth. You haven't seen my butthole, Nick, and you probably never will. Uh, it's a, it's a nice-looking butthole, man. If it's, it's an nice incredible butt, butt then, then fair enough, $400. I just value my butthole. Yeah. Well, yeah, you are full of shit, so it makes sense. <laughs> so shit. So shit, but I'll pay it. <laughs> okay. How about something weird? Something a little, little out of the ordinary, a little unusual, are you saying? Something a little bit left of center, a little bit unexpected. A little bit off. All right. We'll, we'll see. In the news today from the strange and weird fact file. Well, for decades, only crackpots and crazy people believed in UFOs. Deputies still say anyway. the suspect told them he's been performing sex acts on animals since the 1970s. I told about my close encounter with the Yeti. A sticky situation at an airport in Tennessee after baggage Turns out, the government has been taking This is Deep Thought Weird News with Michael Zubarefkla Sludge. So, this is an article in Stuff Magazine entitled, Japanese City Puts Down Monkey After Incidents of Biting, Clawing, and Attacking. People in a southwestern Japanese city have come under attack from monkeys that are trying to snatch babies, bite and claw flesh, and sneak into nursery schools. The attacks on 58 people since July 8th are getting so bad that the Yamaguchi City Hall has hired a special unit to hunt the animals with tranquilizer guns. The monkeys aren't interested in food. Traps haven't worked. They have targeted mostly children and the elderly. They are so smart Smart. that they tend to sneak up and attack from behind, grabbing your legs. When confronted by a monkey, the instructions are don't look them in the eye, make yourself look as big as possible by spreading your coat, and then back away as quietly as possible without making sudden moves. 
A woman was assaulted by a monkey while hanging laundry on her veranda. Another victim had bandaged toes. They were taken aback and frightened by how big and fat the monkeys were. <laughs> the monkeys terrorizing the community are the Japanese macaque, the kind often pictured peacefully bathing in hot springs. One male monkey measuring 49 centimeters in height and weighing 7 kilos was caught Tuesday by a team with a tranquilizer gun. It was judged by various evidence to be one of the attacking monkeys and put to death. But more attacks were reported after the capture. No one has been seriously injured so far, but all have been advised to get hospital treatment. Ambulances were called in some cases. Although Japan is industrialized and urban, a fair portion of land in the archipelago is mountains and forests. Rare attacks on people by a bear, boar, or other wildlife has occurred, but generally not by monkeys. No one seems to know why the attacks have occurred and where the troop of monkeys came from remains unclear. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life, said Saito. Wow. Guys, we've got a, a swarm of angry monkeys out there biting children and elderly, and no one knows why. By the way, that first picture at uh-huh. the top of the article, terrifying. Uh-huh. Awful. Absolutely terrifying. Just a, just a monkey gripping the banister of a window and staring in as if it really wants something inside. Terrible. Yeah. It is. It I is love a... that they're snatching babies. Yeah, snatching like, babies, what are you eating doing flesh. With baby? I don't know. Maybe they're trying to start a cult. This is the planet of the apes, but it's not. It's not apes. It's just little monkeys. That's what it's they. Planet of the zombie apes. It's like a zombie swarm. It's like they're they're coming. They're pummeling on the doors. They're like yeah. jumping on people. Monkeys are scary because they, you feel like they're really cute, but they, they have like really big teeth. When I was in Sri Lanka, I got surrounded by monkeys um, mm. and we were, I was on a hike and um, we came up to this like kind of it was just like on the path of the hike and there were like all these monkeys just sitting across this tree trunk and we had nowhere else to go we could either go back or forward and we tried to like kind of move past them and they left let out the most horrifying scream basically (laughs) saying go fuck yourself and i was like that monkeys are scary man don't fuck with monkeys i know that you um on occasion have visited the zoo because you, you like monkeys. Um, do you have yeah. a particular sense of which ones are the smartest or the most like, I don't know, aggressive? I don't really, I don't really know. Uh, I would say these macaques seem pretty bad. I mean, baboons, I guess, aren't really monkeys. They're like apes. Mm. I don't really know the difference between too many monkeys. These ones... Yeah. Just the way that this monkey in the photo is looking in, I I would it's, say it's, this this, it's this species this is the worst one. <laughs> yeah, the ones with monkeys with an agenda. They're the worst. They're the worst monkeys. <laughs> yeah, you don't want a monkey monkeys. with an agenda. A monkey trying to make yeah. a point. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with a monkey who is trying to make a point. That's good advice. 